The cross is not the end of the story. Death is not the end of your story. There is hope. There were miracles that happened as Jesus was dying on the cross, lives that were being impacted for time and for eternity, and there were lives that were changed on that Sunday morning when the tomb was empty. The tomb being empty means because he lives, we will live also. Do you know that life? Have you been born again of that hope in Jesus? Well, we'll look at that today on Walk in Truth. Welcome to Walk in Truth with Michael Lance. Walk in Truth is a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship. It's our goal to build up believers and to reach out with God's truth to all people. And now, here's Pastor Michael. Let's take our Bibles. We're going to open to Mark 15 as we move towards the end of the Gospel of Mark. We've been going verse by verse. and We've been looking at a series that we've called The Passion of the Christ. And um, as we move towards the end, just a couple of quick things. We're gonna stop at chapter 16, verse eight. And then next week, I will deal with what's called the controversial ending of Mark. And here's, here's what that means. Verses nine through 20 of Mark 16 are debated. You say, what do you mean they're debated? Well, there's two kind of streams of manuscripts. One has the ending, one does not. And uh, there's some differences in the Greek and Latin manuscripts, and there's actually a couple of alternate endings to the Gospel of Mark that they've discovered. And uh, so that's what I'm gonna talk to you about next Sunday. And the verses do have a lot of value for us. I'll talk to you. It'll be a little bit more technical, but I think we all wanna understand why there's even a debated ending to Mark 16. But we're not gonna go there today. We're gonna go to Mark 16, eight, but we'll start in 1540. Let's pray one more time. Father, I wanna thank you for every precious person that's come here, every family. Every precious soul, thank you that you died for each one of us, Lord, that you so loved us that you gave yourself. Paul said, you loved me and you gave up yourself for me. The gospel is a very personal thing for all of us because it's God's love for us. And as we look at the different people that will be center stage this morning, Lord, who dealt with the days, the, the dark days of your death, your crucifixion, and probably a lot of questions that they had about what was gonna happen now and maybe even what was gonna happen to them personally. I think we can see the humanity here and I think we're gonna find a lot of hope in the different people that pass across the stage this morning because they're a lot like us, Lord. And we, we wanna hear from you this morning, so I just pray I'll get out of your way and your word will speak and you bring a word of hope, a word of encouragement, maybe even a word of exhortation. And Lord, we wanna lay everything that happens here at your feet as we always try to do that you would speak and you would be glorified. This is the church that you purchased with your own blood and we are so grateful and so in awe of what you've done for us. And we just wanna just take a moment to say thank you for life in Christ. And for those who are visiting today, maybe just checking out the church, or those who not sure they even know you yet, I pray that they would meet you this morning. 
In Jesus' holy and mighty name I pray. Amen. Amen. As I mentioned in the prayer, it's certainly been a rough couple of days for the intimate followers of Jesus Christ. They had watched their beloved Lord opposed, falsely accused, ridiculed, condemned, beaten, scourged. They watched him walk the Via Dolorosa, the way of sorrows, and finally saw him crucified. It had to be like a nightmare. Maybe along the way they thought, he's done so many miracles to this point. He's blown my mind so many times, certainly he'll stop this. This can't be the way it's going to end. This can't be what's going to happen. He can't die in this way. Many of them have, had grown up with the idea that the, when the Messiah arrived, he would take David's throne immediately. Rome would be overturned. There were a lot of nationalistic feelings that came up, especially at the Passover holiday where this is the season that they're in. The sun had gone dark at midday, as you recall, and I'm sure many of them wondered if the sun would ever shine again. You've probably had days like that. Maybe you've had weeks like that. Maybe you've had a week like that. You know, Christianity is always about a new day. And if I was going to give this section a title, I think I would call this section a new day. A new day of hope. Because hope, for all intents and purposes, for these people was gone. They believed in a general resurrection, but they didn't believe that there was going to be a resurrection in time. And even though Lazarus had been raised from the dead, I think many of them still held the traditional view that, yeah, there'll be a final resurrection at the end of the world when everything's over, then there'll be a, a resurrection of the just and the unjust. They saw verses about that in some just pockets in the Old Testament. They saw it, for example, in the book of Isaiah, the book of Job, the book of Daniel, and the book of Ezekiel. But besides that, besides those little hints at resurrection, their belief was it's going to be the end of the world. And maybe they said something like this, I'm never going to see him again until the end of everything. When will that happen? Many of you have had to stand at cemeteries and go to memorial services, and you've had to face those questions. You've had to ask some deep questions about whether or not the Bible's true, whether or not there's a heaven and a hell, whether or not... You're going to see that person again that you love. Those same feelings certainly hit this group of people. But the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as we all know, who are Christians here this morning, is a historic fact. Without the resurrection, we don't have Christianity, folks. Christianity would have ended on a very sad note if Jesus died and he didn't rise because he even predicted his own resurrection. Amen? And if it didn't happen, then Christianity would be false. But if you think about that time, those, those couple of days, those hours that went by as he was in the tomb, it had to be very difficult. It had to reveal some things about people. When we go through our hard days, sometimes it reveals stuff about us. If you're like me, sometimes I don't like what I see. Sometimes I don't like the way I respond to little problems <laughs> and I can't even imagine what they were going through at the time they had to be thinking about personal safety about their families what's going to happen now many of them had been traveling away from home many of them probably had family members that opposed them Jesus's own brothers 
apparently didn't believe until the resurrection. So this was a tense time. And I think that you're going to find some solace in, in these moments. When we left off last time, death was actually seemingly mocking Jesus as we looked at this area called Golgotha, which literally means the place of the skull. In Latin, it's where we get the name Calvary. And I showed you that picture of death, you know, kind of that, that rock formation that looked like a skull mocking Jesus, right? And the question, I think, is always, will death have the last word in this world? So many people die. You know, recently you may have seen Mary Tyler Moore died, and uh, a very prominent actress, you know, that been around a long time, and, you know, used to seeing that big smile, and now she's gone. And it brings up questions about what happens to people. But the Bible says that Jesus Christ was disarming death and demons at the cross, Colossians 2.15. 2 Timothy 1.10 says that Jesus has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And Jesus has dealt the death blow to death forever. It's a new day for the church. It's always a new day of hope for the Christian because death will not have the final say. Praise God. So Jesus did rise again. And his uh, life and his word continues to change lives. Each time a person comes to know the Lord, they have what the Bible calls resurrection life come into them. They become alive in a spiritual sense which anticipates their own personal resurrection. And as I mentioned, these were some of the hardest days in all of history, but I think it was hardest on Jesus, of course, but hard on his followers as well. So let's take a look and see how they dealt with these hardest situations of life and I, my prayer for you is that you will find hope again if you've lost some hope here and you'll find a new day in Christ. This is Mark 15, verse 40. And there were also some women looking on from a distance. They were looking on as Jesus was crucified, among whom were Mary Magdalene, she's very familiar to us, Mary, the mother of James the Less, and Joseph, and Salome. As we return to the cross, we return to the crucifixion site for a moment, and we're introduced to some women. Um, I will say this, as being a guy and reading the Bible, I tend to see the Bible through a man's eyes. I think I can't help it. <laughs> but I'll tell you this, uh, there were faithful women who followed Jesus, supported Jesus, ministered to Jesus, were the first ones at the tomb, the first ones to see the risen Lord. And even though women had a low status in terms of the culture, and they even say they wouldn't accept a woman's testimony in a court of law, many scholars who've looked at the resurrection say, this gives the story more authenticity because if you would have written this story, you wouldn't have made the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the resurrection women. That's not to say anything demeaning, it's just the reality of the culture. But these women were the backbone, it would seem, of the group in many ways. In fact, they were the ones that came to the apostles and said, he's alive. And the women were saying, the guys responded, you, you lost it, ladies. What are you talking about? He lives, right? They were without faith and the women had great faith. It reminds us that women, I think, uh, have many, in many, 
Hey folks, thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, and we'll be back to the message in just a moment. We've been doing a Sunday night service called 633, and in it, we've been looking at a subject called the dark dangers of the occult. The occult speaks of that which is hidden, secret, literally occluded, behind the veil. People are fascinated with these subjects, but God warned in both the Old and New Testament that the occult is something that is forbidden and even dangerous. We want you to have access to these resources to teach you more about the occult so you can tell people who are dabbling in it or messing with it about the hope and the love and the truth that's found in Jesus Christ. You can access this information at our website, walkintruth.com. Many scholars who've looked at the resurrection say this gives the story more authenticity because if you would have written this story, you wouldn't have made the first eyewitnesses of the empty tomb and the resurrection women. That's not to say anything demeaning, it's just the reality of the culture. But these women were the backbone, it would seem, of the group in many ways. In fact, they were the ones that came to the apostles and said, he's alive. And the women were saying, the guys responded, you, you lost it, ladies. What are you talking about? He lives, right? They were without faith and the women had great faith. It reminds us that women, I think, uh, have many, in many instances been the backbone of the church or churches. I've watched over the decades as women come in with multiple children, oftentimes with men missing in action. It's not a good testimony when the men of homes are watching football instead of deciding that they're gonna lead their families towards Jesus Christ. I've had a great passion for men over my personal ministry because of my own father leaving our family and a desire to say like Joshua, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. So every morning that I wake up, I put on a little thing that says Joshua 2415 because I'm a man and I need reminders. I take a coin that we've spread in the men's ministry that reminds me to put on the armor of God. How many of you guys have your coin today? You got it? Hold it up, gentlemen. All right, you owe me a cup of coffee if you didn't bring it. (laughs) And a maple bar. (laughs) But I need reminders. This reminds me to put on the full armor of God before I get trucking during the day. I wear a couple of rings. I wear a ring on my right hand, which says in Hebrew, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And I I wear a wedding ring on my left hand, which reminds me that I've been married to a beautiful woman that I love for 26 years, and she's been extremely faithful to me, and God's been impressing on my heart, maybe you guys can resonate with this, that I'm supposed to love her the way God loves me. Just think about that one for a second. I'm supposed to love her like God loves me. Ooh. Mm. And I will tell you this, because I've always tried to be real and human with you up here, that I fail many times. And I have to ask for God's help all the time. Well, these women were very precious, and they're named here, and this is not an exhaustive list, but one of them is Mary Magdalene. Would you just turn to the right for a second? Go to Luke chapter 8. Luke 8. Luke gives us a little bit of insight about these ladies. So you have Matthew, Mark, Luke, just the next book to your right. Look at chapter eight, look at verse one. Luke eight, verse one. 
came about soon afterwards that he, that's Jesus, began going about from one city and village to another, Luke 8.1, proclaiming and preaching the kingdom of God, and the twelve were with him. And also, Luke 8.2, some women who had been healed of evil spirits and sicknesses, keep in mind this is a doctor saying this, Mary, who, had, who call, was called Magdalene, from, which, from whom seven demons had gone out, wow, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod's steward, Susanna, and many others who were contributing to, their, uh, contributing to their support out of their private means. Now, we find out a little bit more if you go back to Mark 15 about some of these ladies. They had been touched by Christ, and because they had, they began to follow him. They tend to be very much in the background in a lot of the gospel accounts, and they come into the foreground just a few times at the resurrection account especially. But we find out that they had been touched by Jesus and because they had, they had been contributing to his ministry. They were not only following him, but they were serving him, which is what Mark tells us in verse 41. Look at Mark 15, 41. It says, when he was in Galilee, that's where most of Jesus' ministry happened in the northern part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee, they used to follow him, these ladies, and minister to him. So they followed him. The word minister is where we get the word deacon or servant. And it can have the idea of waiting upon someone or taking care of their needs. They followed him and ministered to him. And there were many other women who had come up with him to Jerusalem. Now, they had gone to Jerusalem, remember, for the Passover feast. And these women were serious followers of the Lord. And the few that are named here are probably the ones that are named in Luke 8 as well. And Mary Magdalene, who takes center stage in a lot of these accounts, was a woman with deep gratitude for what the Lord had done for her. Can you imagine being a lady who had seven demonic spirits cast out of you? She wanted to go everywhere where Jesus was. She lived and loved much. She, her name, Magdalene, indicates that she was from Magdala, a city on the southwest coast of the Sea of Galilee. So she met Jesus somewhere along the way, somewhere in his earthly ministry. And she was one of many people who were touched by the Lord, but she was so touched by him, she never wanted to be anywhere else but by his side. And that's amazing. And I think that that's what should motivate all of us to follow the Lord is the way that he has touched us, amen, as well. She may be one of the women that was in the upper room in the book of Acts chapter one. And uh, we also have another Mary that's mentioned. Don't know a whole lot about her, but... It's, it mentions uh, that she's the mother of those two. And then Salome, if you just park for a minute on the name Salome, just read it a different way, Salome, and you know what her name means, don't you? Because the Hebrew word shalom means what? Peace. And her name was Salome, or it seems to be a form of shalom. And so this, this particular woman, um, some believe was the mom of James and John, the two sons of thunder. She may be, have been the one that asked Jesus if they could have special spots at his right and left hand, but she was there as well, 42. When evening had already come, because it was the preparation day, that's the day when they prepare for the Sabbath, that is the day before the Sabbath. Preparation day was a big day because you couldn't cook on the Sabbath, so you had to make all the food and everything before sundown on Friday when the Sabbath had begun. And so you had to make all of the preparations. Now, you ladies know that when a holiday comes, man, oh man, things can get tense and hectic in the house, right? If there's people in the kitchen that don't belong in the kitchen, get out of the kitchen! 
They just want to look in the refrigerator just to look. What are you looking for? Do you think something's going to jump out at you? This is often what I'm told. Move a few things and you may find what you're looking for. I don't want to move anything. I just want to stare at it. See if anything jumps out at me. Sometimes I don't even know what I'm looking for, frankly. <laughs> I'm just there. Anyway, they had to make all these preparations. And for the Passover, the preparations were tripled. You know, you had to do everything for the holiday, garments, and all the traditions that went with the Sabbath or with the uh, uh, Passover. So the Sabbath began at sundown, and Jesus died at three in the afternoon. So a lot of these things had to happen, as we'll see in a moment. Mary Magdalene, these women, standing by Jesus' side, a little bit in the background, but very faithful. So grateful. I want to just park here and take these individual stories and ask you, are you, are you like Mary Magdalene? Maybe you follow the Lord in the background. Maybe you wonder if the Lord really knows what you do or how you serve him. Or maybe you're in that position right now where you are a, a person that you're troubled by a lot of darkness in your life. And you're wondering if deliverance can come. It did for Mary and for many of these folks. The next person we're going to see in verse 43 of Mark 15 is a man named Joseph of Arimathea. You'll notice that a lot of these people that we're introduced to are identified by where they come from. Mary Magdalene from Magdala, Joseph of Arimathea, Jesus of Nazareth. So sometimes people were called by the name of their parents or their father's name, sometimes by the location they lived. Joseph is Joseph of Arimathea, verse 43. He came. He was a prominent member of the council. That's the Sanhedrin, the leading council of Israel, who himself was waiting for the kingdom of God. And he gathered up, or he took up the courage and went in before Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Now in verse 39, Jesus dies. The centurion says, certainly this was the Son of God, and Jesus has now died on the cross. And Joseph of Arimathea was a prominent member of the council who condemned him, and some people wonder, was he there when Jesus was condemned? And we don't know for sure. We know that things happened hurriedly. We do know that, that other gospel writers say he was not consenting to their action. So we know that he didn't agree, but he may have been there and may have failed to step up in the moment to oppose the council. So we look at Mary Magdalene and the other women, and we look at a man named Joseph of Arimathea, very prominent. He was excited about the kingdom. He had decided that Jesus was the Messiah. But in a moment of intense pressure to step up, whether he was there or not, he didn't. He didn't show courage in the moment. If he was there, then he didn't, he might, might have said, look, I've got an issue. I believe he's innocent, but he didn't try to stop the proceedings. And many of us live with regrets of things that we should have done. We often have a phrase, shoulda, woulda, coulda, Right? And sometimes it relates directly to our Christian faith or how we live it out. The church is filled with people with regrets. Not just people who have regrets from the days before they were Christians, but even regrets after they became a Christian. And here's another man, Joseph of Arimathea. He's a prominent member of the council. Matthew 27 tells us he was a wealthy man and he had to gather up the courage. I love this because sometimes courage needs to be gathered up, amen? It's 
It's not, uh, it's not always natural for us to be courageous people. Sometimes we're like the cowardly lion, right? Courage, ain't it the truth, right? <laughs> we want it, you know? And we, we'll even try to talk ourselves into things, right? Wicked witch or no wicked witch, I'll tear them up. And then he says, I just have one thing to ask of you fellows. And they say, what's that? He says, talk me out of it, <laughs> right? Little cowardly lion for you. Anyway, sometimes we have to gather up courage. You say, well, where do you find it? I don't know. Let me know. If you <laughs> sometimes we have to just pick it up, gather it up. You know, the Bible is filled with exhortations to be strong and courageous. Some of your favorite Bible verses are there. Joshua chapter 1, what around verses 7 through 9. Deuteronomy 31, around verses 6 and 7. Be strong and courageous. Don't be dismayed. Don't live in fear of them. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. I believe it. Lord, we sometimes say like the dad in Mark 9, but help my unbelief. And finally, Joseph said, I don't care what happens to me. I'm going to go and ask for the body of Jesus. If you read a little bit on what happened to crucifixion victims, they were condemned for high treason. And writers say that all the decision-making fell with the Roman magistrate. So somebody like the prefect, Pontius Pilate, was really in control. They said that the families would sometimes come and ask for the body, and it was really up to the prefect or the governor to decide what he was going to do. But Pilate already knew that Jesus was innocent, right? He tried to let him off. We don't know why the family didn't come and ask for the body. It could have been that Mary was just overwhelmed by the events of the cross. Uh, it, it appears that Joseph is no longer alive. So Joseph of Arimathea, who is not a family member of Jesus, goes to Pilate. He has to gather up the courage, which means he's going to identify himself with this uh, executed uh, Messiah, right? He's going to risk his place on the council and to be one of these 70 in the Sanhedrin was about the highest you could get in a religious and political career. Everything was at stake. To go and ask, you know, Pilate was already upset. Pilate might have just said, oh, you're one of them too. And maybe he would have just condemned Joseph on the spot. Hey folks, this is Pastor Michael, and I appreciate you listening to today's message. I want to tell you about the store at walkintruth.com. On the store, we have a brand new teaching up. It's on the occult. It's called The Dark Dangers of the Occult, and we have taught on the subject of demon possession, and we also have taught on the subject of Wicca or witchcraft, and there's more to come. And you need to know about this subject. You need to know what's going on with the occult, what the Bible says about it. It warns about it being forbidden. It warns that you should not mess with it. But there's also something else. We need to reach out to people in love with the truth of Jesus who've gotten involved in the occult. You can have access to this information, these resources to learn more and to become a more effective ambassador for Christ. It's all available at the Walk in Truth store at walkintruth.com. Thanks for listening to today's program. Follow Walk in Truth when you download the free Radio Scribe app today.